Hello and welcome to the weekly sermon podcast of Daisy Vineyard Church. This week, enjoy the podcast as truth is revealed in God's Word. Go get a notebook, grab a Bible, and expect to have an encounter with God today. Hear me? Okay, so I'm really excited. I got a new dress for my birthday, and you know we can't wear new dresses anywhere right now. So I wore my new dress this morning, and guess what? I have no pockets, I ha- so I am going to be chained right here, but it's all in the sake of fashion, so we're okay with that, right? <laughs> Whew, good morning. Such a blessing to be here, to be well. So the Lord's been speaking to me about something for a few weeks now, and I was like, well, is this the right time to share this? Is this something that's just for me? Should I just hold off on this for a little while? And then Jason gets up this morning and shares the passage that he shared. And I was like, okay, it's confirmation. This is the right time. Because everything that was spoken this morning, the songs that we sang, just was a perfect segue into what I want to talk to you about today. So I want to talk to you. I want to give you, I want to give you hope, right? Isn't that why we go to the Lord for hope and peace and joy? I want to give you hope, but I'm going to go around a little ways till we get there. So bear with me. This will end well. This is good. I'll give you the ending. It's a good ending. It, it ends well. Okay, so we're going to start by talking about the Israelites. Like Jason mentioned, they were in captivity for 400 years. Think about that. That's longer than we've been a country. 400 years is a very, very long time. So generation after generation after generation were born into slavery. The Hebrew children were now slaves in Egypt. And it had become a mindset. So I want you to stop a minute and think about the things that you do because it's all you've ever known. This is the way my parents were. This is the way my grandparents were. This is the way. And what I want to challenge us today, this is for me, definitely, is to think about those mindsets that we've adopted and agreed with that are captivity, slavery, mentality mindsets. So the children of Israel were in captivity for 400 years. Moses comes on the scene, a bunch of stuff happens. It's a really cool story. I I highly encourage you to read through the book of Exodus. But today, I want to go to Exodus 13 and verse 17. If I can't see it because I'm getting older, I may have to use my phone. So let's see. Um, Exodus 13, verse 17. When Pharaoh finally let the people go, God did not lead them along the main road that runs through Philistine territory, even though that was the shortest route to the promised land. God said, if the people are faced with a battle, they might change their minds and return to Egypt. So God led them in a roundabout way through the wilderness toward the Red Sea. Thus the Israelites left Egypt like an army ready for battle. So... How long were they in the desert? God was leading them around, basically in circles. 
40 years. So I don't know what this means, and I'm still asking God, but let's think about it. 440. Think about those numbers for a little bit. So what, what God was doing, he wasn't punishing. I think a lot of times I grew up in the church, and a lot of times you feel like, oh, those dumb Israelites, they just couldn't get it right. They had to wander around and around for 40 years. Why did it take them so stinking long to figure it out? Go back. They had been in captivity for 400 years. They didn't know how to live in the freedom that God was offering. He had to help them heal from their slave mentality. So in his great love, mercy, and kindness, he led them to the wilderness and taught them who he is and who they were. He taught them who he was and who they were. As you read in Exodus, they still wanted to be slaves because it was the only way of life they had ever known. Fear of the unknown can be debilitating. We don't know what's going to happen next week. We don't know what's going to happen in two months from now. We don't know, and it can be debilitating. But I love that song. Fear will leave. We start to relate. When we, when we agree with that fear, we start to relate with our captor. And we agree with the things that the, the world is saying, the devil's saying. We start to agree. We start to close in on ourselves. And that's called something. When we start to agree or relate with our captor, it's called Stockholm Syndrome. Have you guys ever heard of that? People who've been kidnapped or, you know, they start to think that their captor is kind and wants good things for them. And even sometimes when they finally get rescued, if they finally get rescued, they don't want to leave because they've developed a rapport with their captor. And they think any kindness is a good thing and that that, that captor cares for them. And I think we all can get to that place where we start to agree with the deceiver as he puts things in our mind. At the very heart of Stockholm Syndrome is survival. It's a psychological thing that helps people survive a really bad situation. When we're just trying to survive our cir current circumstances, we stop lifting our eyes to see a higher perspective, and we start to agree with the deceiver. So I have a story to tell you. I have a crazy dog right now. She's very crazy. But before I had this crazy dog, I had a dog. Her name is Ruby. And this dog was amazing. She was beautiful. She was an amazing dog. But she had been beaten and, and mistreated. When I got her from the shelter, she would run and hide, run and hide, run and hide. But over a period of time, she got to know that she was in a safe place. And she started coming out more. She started getting more okay with other people. And she ended up being a, the greatest babysitting dog ever. She would help me babysit. I, had, I did in-home child care for over 10 years, and I had eight kids. And I needed Ruby to help me babysit, and she did a great job. But if given a choice, 
at the very beginning, she would have ran right back into that cage and never come out. So the book of Exodus was written 1450 BC, roughly. It's a record of Israel's deliverance from Egypt and their development as a nation. So as we go through this, I want you to really think about this. And this may take you a while. This may take a few days. This may take a few months. And that's okay. God's not in a hurry. He's got another 40 years. <laughs> My mom says, I might not. <laughs> yes, you do. In Jesus' name, you have 40 more years. Um, so I want you to think about how slave mentality may be affecting your life. And I went to a homeschool conference a long, long time ago when my kids were little, and the keynote speaker said one thing that I've, I don't remember everything else he said, but I remember the one thing he said. Does a fish know he's wet? If a fish is swimming around in water, he has no idea he's wet. So in order, it's a rough analogy, but when we are in captivity mindset, we don't even recognize it. We don't even know it. And so sometimes we need Holy Spirit to give us a wake-up call on that. So I want you to ask yourself some of these questions. Am I a slave to unhealthy habits and or thinking patterns? When something doesn't go my way, what's my first reaction? Am I a slave to past wounds, lies, and deceptions? So I watched a great movie last night, um, Saving Mr. Banks. Has anybody seen that movie? Love that movie. It's, it's I'll give you a rough capture. Um, the lady who wrote Mary Poppins, Walt Disney had promised his kids that he would get the rights to that book and make a movie of her books. And she was not letting go of them. She gave Walt Disney a run for his money trying to not let him have the rights to her book. But she needed the money. It came down to money. But what it really came down to is she had had an unhealthy relationship with her alcoholic dad. And in her books, the dad in the story was really her dad and how she loved him so much. But Walt Disney asks her in the very end, we're storytellers. Don't we get to write how the story goes? Or do we continue to live with those past wounds? Or can we move forward and rewrite things? So um, I know God is really good at rewriting history and coming up with a different ending than what is expected. So there's a piece of hope. There's a little piece. Are we a slave to our fleshly desires? And are we a slave to the false peace that the world offers? So Leviticus was written at the same time as Exodus, and it's a handbook outlining the duties of the priests and the Levites for worship and a guidebook for the Hebrews of holy living. So I want to just go to Leviticus 26.13. Okay. Let me see. Tiny print. I need a big print. <laughs> so in Leviticus 26, 13, it says, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt so you would no longer be their slaves. I broke the yoke of slavery from your neck so you can walk with heads held high. He was continually reminding them of who he is, and who they are, that they're no longer slaves. So 
God was preparing them for what he had promised, correct? He needed them to know who he was before they went into the promised land because he had promised them the promised land, but it didn't come without a battle. They weren't prepared yet, so that's why he had to continually, I mean, how many times do you have to hear something before it becomes memory? Some people it's three, other people it's five. I probably am 10 before I finally get it. I like to think of God's promises and his preparation time as maturing us. Um, I know if you look at the prodigal son, he got his, he got his uh, inheritance early and he went and blew it. I think if either one of my kids were to get a large sum of money right now, I can pretty much guarantee you it would be gone in a matter of no time because they're not ready for that yet. God hasn't matured them enough for the breakthrough or the blessing that he has for them quite yet. And he's in these times of preparation. It doesn't feel like it. It feels like we're wandering around in a dry desert. But just remember, he's preparing you for something good. So as I was preparing, God reminded me of a dream I had back in December. And I had this really weird dream, and I shared it with John, and I'm like, I don't, I don't get it. I don't know what that means. I think it means something about this, but I don't know. And while I was preparing today, or preparing this last couple of weeks, he reminded me of this dream. So I want to share this dream with you, and I want you to think about how it relates to promised land. And with the time we're living in right now, I was kind of shocked when I went back and read it. I highly encourage you, if you have a dream and you wake up going, wow, I think that might be trying to tell me something, write it down because you'll forget it if you don't. So here's my dream. So I had a dream that started with a lot of frustration. I was just very frustrated in my dream. I went to my doctor's office, but he wasn't there, and they were all too busy getting ready for some big event to take any time with me. I found that to be pretty interesting during the timing of all of this now. When I left, my car wasn't there, and I had to go find it. When I found it, it had been parked really closely, like real close, you couldn't open the doors, to a taco stand. And there were people inside of my car. Why are you in my car? Get out of my car. The hood was up, and they had my car on jacks. And I, I was very, very frustrated. I was really annoyed because my radio station was not set on my Christian station. They had changed my station. That really bothers me. Don't borrow my car and change my station. <laughs> um, I got in my car finally, and I sat on someone's dog, was in the driver's seat. So I had to kick out the dog. I had to kick out the people. And somehow I started the engine, and the wheels were back on, and I started driving. Well, in my dream, I was driving down Dysart Road, down by um, Awafria High School and TJ's and all that. I was driving that strip, and it was really, really dark. It was stormy. Um, there were cones and road construction workers that you could kind of see in the foggy distance, but you couldn't make out facial expressions or anything. The next thing I know, I've been rerouted through a fr huge fries warehouse. Interesting, right? This is back in December. And it was being remodeled. There were shelves of groceries and heavy machinery, like front loaders and stuff, that in the way. They were pushing piles of straw or cardboard or something into big piles. It could have been toilet paper dust, now looking back. 
one of the workers told me how to go back to get out of the construction site. And while I was getting out of the Fry's warehouse construction, uh, one of the workers told me, told me how to go back and to get out of the construction site. And then I ran into two other workers and I recognized one of them. And I knew that I knew him and he had super kind eyes, but I couldn't like place where I knew him from. And I asked him, I said, do I know you? And he said, my parents have done street ministry in the area and you probably know, know my parents. I'm like, okay. Um, so then he shows me the way out and now I'm walking in my dream. I don't know what happened to my car, it's gone. Probably the people with the dogs got it, I don't know. Um, and I walk out into the sunshine. It's bright, it's sunny, it feels light and almost like a party fiesta feeling, you know? And I run into Ed and John and Becca and they're standing at this food truck, another food thing. Either I was really hungry or God's trying to say something but we're standing in line for this taco truck, right? In these people's driveway. And there's uh, these huge orange trees, they're full of fruit. And I look down at the ground and near the curb is this big like branches of a blueberry bush with blueberries. I mean, they were as big as your head almost. And I'm thinking, I, I mentioned to John, cause he's a farmer, I'm like, hey, John, look at these. If this is what they're throwing away, my goodness, what are they keeping? And then I woke up and I said, John, I think this is a dream about us coming into a promised land. And guess what? It really doesn't feel like it right now. It does not feel like we're in the, on the journey to a promised land. It feels like day after day after day, the same old bad news, people dying left and right. But God has a way of revealing himself to us. So let's fast forward. There's a lot of history with the Israelites. I want to fast forward to um, Numbers chapter 13. So the Israelites are nearing the end of their 40 years. And I'm going to read quite a bit here. So we're going to start in verse 1. The scouts incite rebellion. Doesn't that sound exciting? <laughs> the Lord now said to Moses, so who's sending the spies into the land? The Lord now said to Moses, send out men to explore the land of Canaan, the land I'm giving to the Israelites. Send one leader from each of the 12 ancestral tribes, so Moses did as the Lord commanded him. He sent out 12 men, all tribal leaders of Israel, from their camp in the wilderness of Paran. Paran, however you say that. These were the tribes and the names of their leaders. And it goes through all of the names of the tribes and their leaders, and I'm not even going to attempt it. Uh, verse 16. These are the names of the men Moses sent out to explore the land. Moses called Hoshea, son of Nun, by the name of Joshua. Moses gave the men their, these instructions as he sent them out to explore the land. Go north through the Negev into the hill country, see what the land is like, and find out whether the people living there are strong or weak, few or many. See what kind of land they live in. Is it good or bad? Do their towns have walls or are they unprotected like open camps? Is the soil fertile or poor? Are there many trees? Do your best to bring back samples of the crops you see. 
It happened to be the season for harvesting, the first ripe grapes. So they went up and explored the land from the wilderness of Zin as far as Rehob, um, near something, Lebo Hamath. Going north, they passed through the Negev and arrived at Hebron, where all those names of the, the descendants of Anak lived. When they came, verse 23, when they came to the valley of Ashol, they cut down a branch with a single cluster of grapes so large that it took two of them to carry it on a pole between them. They also brought back samples of the pomegranates and figs. That place was called the Valley of Eshel, which means cluster, because the cluster of grapes the Israelite men cut there. After exploring the land for 40 days, the men returned to Moses, Aaron, and the whole community of Israel at Kadesh in the wilderness of Paran. They reported the whole, to the whole community what they had seen and showed them, the fruit that they had taken from the land. This was their report to Moses. We entered the land you sent us to explore, and it is indeed a bountiful country, a land flowing with milk and honey. Here's the kind of fruit it produces. But the people living there are powerful, and their towns are large and fortified. We even saw giants there and descendants of Anak. The Amalekites in the Negev and the Hittites, Jebusites, and Amorites live in the hill country. The Canaanites live along the coast of the Mediterranean Sea and all along the Jordan Valley. So they said, this is what we don't have, right? After exploring the... Uh, but verse 30, but Caleb tried to quiet the people as they stood before Moses. Let's go at once to take the land, he said. We certainly, we can certainly conquer it. So who in this story had overcome slave mentality? And who knew what God had promised? Joshua and Caleb, right? Through their journey through the wilderness, Joshua and Caleb had become stronger through their experiences, more mature through overcoming adversity, and eventually more assured that leaving Egypt was in fact the right thing to do. John said something last week, the opposite of freedom is safety. They thought they were safe in Egypt and in the desert, but they were slowly dying like a lobster in the pot doesn't know it's being cooked for consumption because the temperature slowly increases. God wants us to trust him that he knows what's best for us, even if it seems uncomfortable and counterintuitive. If you know God is telling you to do something, just haul off and do it and watch what he does. So how? let's look back at our number progression. 400 years captivity, 40 years with God, 40 days to spy out the land. Do you see acceleration there? God's a God of acceleration. We must know who he is, what he has promised to us, and who we are in him to attain true freedom. In John 8, 34 through 36, out of the Passion Tra Translation, he tells us that we, if we're free, we're no longer a captivity in captivity to sin because we are sons and daughters, not slaves. Galatians 5.1 says, so Christ has truly set us free. Now make sure that you stay free and don't get tied up again in slavery to the law. We always want somebody to tell us what's right, right? God's willing to do that. Holy Spirit's willing to do that. You just have to listen. 
So I want to read something to you. I've been reading this book called Higher Perspectives, and this goes along with our passage, our main passage for today. Well, if you go back to Numbers 13, go ahead into, into uh, Numbers chapter 14. The whole community began weeping aloud. They cried all night. Their voices rose in a great chorus of protest against Moses and Aaron. If only we had died in Egypt or even here in the wilderness, they complained. Why is the Lord taking us to this country only to have us die in battle? Our wives and our little ones will be carried off as plunder. Wouldn't it be better for us to return to Egypt then they plotted among themselves. Let's choose a new leader and go back to Egypt. See how easy we forget the good things, the miracles that God has done. I love what John and, and Jason both said this morning. Let's focus on what we have. Let's focus on what we can offer. Let's focus on what God is doing, the miracles. I was thinking about it this morning. I had a uh, torn tendon in my elbow. Guess what? It's all better. Thank you, Jesus. So let me read this to you. Um, and the Lord spoke to Moses, send men to spy out the land of Canaan. Then they told him, we went to the land. It truly flows with milk and honey. The cities are fortified. We saw the descendants of Anak there. This, uh, then Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, let us go up at once and take possession for we are able to overcome it. So here's some lower perspectives. The opinion of the majority will always reflect God's will. Is that true? God would never have him do anything that seems impossible. No. <laughs> Avoidance of the giants is worth losing the promised land or freedom. No. They were unworthy sinners with no power to overcome giants. No. Caleb should not have made such a bold declaration because he's in the minority. Let's look at some elevating truths. The giants were already conquered in the land. Thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ, 1 Corinthians 15, 57. Our victory is already sealed through Jesus. We're not still trying to conquer our giants. We are taking possession of of our own promised lands that has already been credited to our accounts through the price that Christ already paid. Beliefs determine our future. Surely none of the men shall see the land except Caleb and Joshua, for they have wholly followed the Lord. Caleb's belief that he already had the victory re resulted in him eventually gaining entrance into the promised land, while the people's unbelief kept them from moving forward. And number three, true sons and daughters live in their promised land. But you receive the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father, Romans 8, 15. People who know their true identity in Christ live at high hope levels until the awaited promise catches up with their mindsets. See the difference? Freedom mindset versus slave mindset. Let me read that again. People who know their true identity in Christ live at high hope levels until the awaited promise catches up with their mindsets. Our good father only wants what is best for his children. And I love this section. It says, giving God something to work with. Instead of what I don't have, what do I have? Speak out what you want to materialize and not necessarily what you currently see. 
identify something that appears to be a giant in your life, hear that word, appears to be a giant in your life, and gain God's perspective of victory. Meditate on your position as a son or daughter in Christ. And lastly, declarations. If you know the word of God and you know those promises, you declare them over your life. I am victorious in all areas of my life through Jesus. I am a beloved child of God. And I live in my Father's blessing continually. It doesn't stop. He doesn't go on vacation. He doesn't take a break because he's overwhelmed with all of our nonsense. We live in the blessing of our Father continually. Let's remember whose kids we are. Let's work together on declaring the truth over our current situations. He uses every circumstance to grow us, to mature us, to teach us, and to prepare us for what he has next. Romans 8, 28. He never promised the Israelites that they wouldn't have to fight for their promised land. But he did promise that he would be their God and reside with them. My favorite verse, Joshua 1, 9. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not tremble or be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. And in closing, I want to share this quote with you from the same guy, Steve Backlund. Any thought in our mind that is not sparkling with confident hope indicates that it's under the influence of a lie. Let me read that again. Any thought, remember a few weeks ago I talked about keeping, taking your thoughts captive and speaking truth? So think about this. Any thought in our mind that is not sparkling with confident hope indicates that it's under the influence of a lie. Romans 15, 13, now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that you will abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. That is a good word. Amen. So, Let's take just a real quick minute and review what Sandy was saying. And you know what? It's easy to hear a good message and make no changes in our life at all. I was talking with my wife this week, uh, Becca, about a doctor's appointment that she went to and, and something she was going through at the time. The doctor had given her uh, a special diet that she needed to go on uh, because of, you know, some things that were um, uh, bothering her physically. And when the doctor talked to her, she asked my wife, she said, well, how are you doing with the diet? And she said, oh, I'm doing really good. And the doctor told her, commended her for it and told her that even when faced with serious health issues, most people won't change their diet. 
even though better health and blessing is available, most people won't change. Let's, let's apply that to our thinking. And what the message, did you hear it in the message today? It's about our thinking and what we choose to believe. Oh, well, I'm just being a realist. No, you're not. You're being a faithless, negative person. Oh, did, that, did I just say that with my outside voice? <laughs> we struggle with it, don't we? I struggle with it. But the question is, are we willing to appropriate what God says in our life and choose to believe it and fight to think it? To fight. The, the Lord told them this is the, what kind of land did he say it was? It's the promised land. Well, what does that mean? Who promised? God promised. There's things he's spoken over our lives through the scriptures, through the Holy Spirit. And it is, listen to me, it is normal for what happens in this world to look for a season exactly opposite. Who do you think is responsible for that? It's the devil. It's his world and how it works. So my question for us, let's, let's all stand. We're going to pray real quick. Are you willing to change how you think? Are you willing, like the Israelites, he said, go into the land I've promised you, and eventually they did. And, it, and God did indeed release it to them, even though there was giants. Listen, you're go- we're going to have to believe what God says before we see it come to pass. Can anybody say amen to that? We're going to have to believe his blessings, his promises, before we see them. Because if we don't, there's no faith involved. And faith is the one thing. He, he wants us to believe him and trust him. Can, can you do that? Is, is the Lord worthy of your trust and your faith? Let's pray. Father, help us change our minds. You want to lay a hand on your head? Help us to change our minds. Holy Spirit, come right here. I need it. We need it. Our thinking doesn't align with your promises, with your word. So now we pray that you would save us from a slavery mentality to a mentality of sons and daughters that are free indeed. Your word says, whom the Son has set free is free indeed. So, Lord, I pray both here in this room and in people's homes for you to make shifts in our thinking. Help us see the sparkle of hope in our circumstances. Help us change our focus. We quit focusing on what we don't have, and we focus on what we do have and can offer to you. Help us focus on you. Thank you. I just want to invite you, if you don't know Jesus, or maybe you've been far from him, 
maybe you're really trying to draw near to him and you're hoping he's there and he loves you. I want to assure you he is there and he loves you. He's given, he, the father sent his own son into this world, into the cross. And it says, the scriptures tell us, he put the sins of all humanity on his son on the cross. And Jesus Christ died and took your sins, my sins, away. And now we're not earning his love or trying to be good enough. That doesn't work. We're just simply, our choice is to believe him, that he's done this for us. He's done for us what we could not do for ourselves. I encourage you today, give your life to the Lord. Trust him that he has made you clean and he's forgiven your sins. And and, and then you can begin right now to know Jesus in your life. Invite him to come in as you trust him. We can't fix ourselves. There's no getting good enough and then we come to him. It won't work. You just give the Lord yourself and your brokenness and believe that he loves you because he does. So, Father, I just release a blessing in this house. I release your Holy Spirit to move in powerful new ways in every person here in this room, every person that's watching online in your home, Father, let us all make those shifts of thinking that our faith will arise, that we'll trust you in our circumstances right now, that our thoughts will begin to sparkle with hope in everything we find ourselves in. I pray that you would reveal to us that we are more than overcomers through Christ who loves us. In Jesus' name. Thanks for listening to AZ Vineyard Church's podcast. We're located in Goodyear, Arizona. To learn more about our church, visit our website, azvineyard.com. That's A-Z-V-I-N-E-Y-E-R-D.com. 